Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanders and Milsonda for the Accidental Aliens. Yeah, and I'm Keith Foster. I'm a, a managing partner for Invader Comics and the writer of the comics Kadoja and Three Protectors. And today I got a Coronado Brewing Company. This is called Bonfire Beach Pastry Stout. So I'm following in the feet the the feet steps those are the words feet steps. I'm, I'm following in the footsteps of keith for like the last month or so and uh, i'm i'm hitting that pastry stout so this is a stout with vanilla bean cinnamon chocolate honey brown sugar and lactose and also a side of diabetes <laughs> and what what is the abv friend oh man this is a 10.5 i believe Woo. okay so yes, ready 10. for mine? 5. So this is double than what, what I've normally been doing. I've been doing about five. So, so. when you hear my AVV, you're really going to understand that this is going to be a fantastic podcast. <laughs> and here's why. Mine is called Where's My Birthday Cake? I got this from Tavor, and I got it. I actually jumped at it because uh, longtime listeners will know, or even semi-longtime listeners will know, that my favorite beer of last year was Harlan's birthday cake stout that they did so i was hoping that this can channel some of those vibes and you know what it comes pretty close the the tough thing is i won't ever be able to side by side taste them you know there's something about things being limited that makes it like ooh, this is better you know what i mean like mcdonald's can make a the goddamn big mac limited tomorrow and i would it would suddenly add some air of class to it like oh shit the big mac is limited you know <laughs> yeah that's kind of what they do about the mcrib right the and McRib. then it goes away mm-hmm. and then here you are in like march going god damn it i really want a mcrib right now and i sort of do because now i'm talking about it but this where's my birthday cake Imperial Stout with lactose, cacao nibs, vanilla beans, and birthday cake aged in bourbon barrels. You are, you were just putting my favorite things, raindrops and roses and cacao nibs and vanilla beans (laughs) aged in bourbon barrels. Anyway, I don't know that fucking song, but yeah, it's aged in bourbon barrels too. And more importantly, it's 13.9 motherfucking percent. Oh, wow. Let's fucking go. Uh, I don't know if I want to drink the whole thing because... Um, I'll be an idiot, and I don't want to be an idiot, at least not, I want to be a minimal idiot while on air, if I can help it. If I'm an idiot right. on my own time, that's fine. I mean, you know, whoever I'm talking to is just signing up for that idiocy, but, uh, you know, we're doing a podcast right now, man, so we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> I need I need to level at the right level of idiocy, which should hit around minute 45, based on how we're going here, so we'll see. Um, this is actually pretty tasty. Um, I do enjoy this. I don't think it's... I think it's somewhere around like the chocolate babka and the tiramisu from last year. Like I think in December I had that. And uh, so it's somewhere around that, those flavors. I'm enjoying it. It's very rich. It has that very thick flavor, that thickness to it. Um, It's solid. I dig it. I think I like the chocolate babka better, but Mm -hmm. this is still pretty good. Well, this is fantastic. Um, And it's one of those things of like, I'm not sure I can taste the birthday cake. I'll have to revisit this in a little bit on on whether I can taste the birthday cake because I just ate a piece of chocolate and that's going to skew things. So let me give this another go, okay? Do it. I can sort of taste the birthday cake. But what I was going to say is if you can't taste the birthday cake, then it almost has that. Are, are you familiar with, um, okay, a, a, a buddy of mine's dad taught me this 30 years ago. The secret to good chili. Do you know what the secret to good chili is? No. 
chocolate. Really? You put, you put chocolate in at the end. Yeah. Interesting. All, all you people out there, you want to win a chili contest, put chocolate in your chili at the end. Just a little bit. And there are recipes out there for it. So it's not exactly a secret secret. But, uh, boy, 30 years ago it sure was. And, um, yeah, man, it, it's it's crazy because you'll taste the chili and it'll have that, you know, tomatoey kind of zing to it. Like, I don't want to say spiciness, but like that acidity. And uh, what the chocolate does is it smooths out the acidity. Mm. And it makes that whole thing really smooth. And so I don't know how much birthday cake is in this. You know, a lot of these brewers, they're like, we put 80 pounds of birthday cake in the goddamn barrel. You know, all this crazy <laughs> shit, right? And that seems like a lot, but you definitely don't taste it. And uh, But it makes me wonder if its presence is almost that ingredient you can't taste, but that makes all the difference, much like throwing some chocolate in chili. You never taste that chocolate, but it does a lot of work behind the scenes. That chocolate acts like the lactose in some of these beers. Like we've talked about that previously is um if you want a good beer in my opinion uh if it says lactose on it or milkshake uh that's the beer you're going to want to grab and both of our beers today have those things and it smooths things out it calms like oh like a a a sour with lactose or milkshake it's not sour it's like you get that little flavor of it that little hint of it but then it's just smooth (laughs) you're like keith this is how i'm going to try to sell you on shitty ass sours I, I see what you're doing here it's it's all good um i want to ask a question to the listeners here that are not from the united states and uh and so hit us up on the instagrams the twitters facebook of course making comics podcast at gmail.com i'm curious are these beers over there because when i went to france and granted i was in paris i didn't see shit like this you know what i saw was pretty straightforward like some ipas some goldens um, some Trappists, and that was about it. You know what I mean? I didn't see, I definitely didn't see fucking where's my birthday cake with a hobby horse on it. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think I maybe saw one stout the whole time I was there. And I mean, I was in places that serve beer, like, you know, restaurants serve beer. I walked in one pub, even though I was with my kid, obviously. But um, then again, she can drink there. So that was kind of fun. But she didn't. She didn't because she had defense and that would be bad. And my wife strictly forbade it. <laughs> so uh, anyway, but yeah, so so hit us up because I don't remember seeing anything like that. And um, I don't think it was there. So I'd be curious, like, has this has this level of like the microbrewery explosion reached places other than the United States? Um, and I simply didn't see them because I wasn't, you know, did I not see them because I wasn't in the places that have it or because it wasn't there? So, yeah, hit us up if you can. Nice. Yep. That's great. I'm, I'm curious myself. Yeah. Uh, so I guess it's me, huh? I get I get to talk about my first yes. thing. Yes. Yeah. First thing for the week. So so this is going to be like Scott and I have the main topic, which um, which you're going to which you will know because the podcast has titled it. This is like Qui-Gon's Noble End again. So it's not like we need to be that coy about it. But um, but I'm going to talk about two little bit different things. And they're both going to be slightly outside the realm of comics today. Um, the first one is going to be about my novel. Because I have been talking about this set of notes that I was waiting to get back from my mentor. And how that was going to set the tone for what I think the race to the end of the novel is. So I did get the notes back a few days ago. And on the whole, I thought the notes were, were very, very good. Like, the notes were very strong. Um, in fact, he gave me the kind of notes that I could probably take three of the things he said and make them, like, pull-out quotes for the query letter. Because he's a twice-published novelist who's won a couple prizes. So, like, his words carry cred. So I got the notes back. 
all in all, man, they were really good. I read them to, to my wife and also to a friend, and they were both like, yeah, wow, that's some pretty sensational notes. Now, to know me is to know that I can get, you know, 17 paragraphs of positive feedback and one paragraph of constructive feedback, and I go for the constructive feedback. That's just it's just kind of how I am. It's a, a standard thing about writers is they're neurotic, and uh, and I definitely fit that in on some criteria. I think that is a, uh, a positive and negative all in one. I think it's like, in a way, it's like a healthy, unhealthy way to, of thinking things. But it's like, all right, you focus on the one negative thing, but I think that's how you strive for greatness. Like, yeah. you make sure you you take care of that one element that isn't working out. The people that are complacent and maybe don't want to work as hard, they'll focus on all the positive things then kind of ignore that one thing that was a criticism. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that's the case because obviously it's a constant battle battle with my, my my good friend Victor Vaughn, you know, when it when it comes to stuff like this. And um, but yeah, so all in all, I thought the notes were very good. He gave me one note that is interesting, and um, what he does generally when he reads the pages is he sets up a meeting with you to talk about to talk over it later. So that meeting uh, is going to happen pretty soon after after we record this and before we record the next one. So um, I'll have some more you know, notes there. Cause I had said like, I, you know, I sent him a note back, like, okay, it's all pretty clear. Um, you know, how long, like, what's the nature of the conversations? And then he came back and said, well, the conversations are pretty free form. We can dig into things. We can do all kinds of stuff. So I am looking forward to that, but I'm specifically looking forward to it because I am going to ask him a question. And the question in its crude form was going to be how close am I to being done? You know, that was going to be the the question. However, that that is a crappy way of phrasing that question. I don't want to phrase the question that way. I want the question to be more specific and and kind of turn it around and ask the same thing, but don't quite phrase it the same way. And so where I have arrived at the question is, the question is going to be, how much work do I need to put in between now and June 30th for me to be ready to submit this to agents? That is the way that I really want to phrase this question when it comes to that. And uh, and hopefully I can, you know, shed some light on that and detail it just a little bit more from there. But uh, anyway, so that's how I'm going to phrase it. And we'll see what he says. And uh, hopefully it's not an answer like you need to do 12 hours a day. I mean, I don't think he's going to say that anyway. But he and he'll he might take my question and then rephrase it another way. He might say these are the big biggest weaknesses I see, although I haven't read your full novel. And and of course, because I have a budget, I can't have him read my full novel. And you know, for for obvious reasons. Number one, it's really expensive to do it. And number two, if you read my full novel and I'm still more than one edit away, it sort of sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because then what I'm doing is I'm signing up for needing to read you to have you read my full novel again. And that's not what I want to do. You know what I mean? So anyway, we will we will see where it goes. I think all in all, really, really nice feedback. I'm pleased with it. I obviously want to focus on the thing that he talked about and have a dialogue with him and then see if in the meeting with him, I can get a little bit closer to how close I really am to being able to submit this. Because again, I, I'm at a spot in my comic schedule. Kadoja Volume, two, Kadoja Volume 4, Symphony of Madness, Issue 2, it's written. I'm just waiting for Mike to give me notes back on that. So that's sort of my first and second thing. And and Three Protectors Volume 2, I'm not even sure when I'm going to write that. Like, that is way out there in the future. And Animals is doesn't really need that much writing. So I'm in this nice spot 
where if I wanted to do nothing but focus on the novel for the next four months, I can do that. You know, now in the interest of this podcast and the interest of my own sanity, I might throw in some comic things now and then just because you can't not think about the world. You know, you can't not think about Three Protectors or Kadoja or something. But um, I, I do think I have a nice opportunity in my own schedule here to hit the novel very, very hard and hopefully get it ready so that I can submit it to an agent by my, you know, arbitrary date, by my arbitrary date. Right on, man. Like, it's, it's nice to hear that um, after all these drafts, you're kind of like in the home stretch. That's what it seems like to me, at least listening to you. It looks like, uh, you know, just talking to your mentor, you've got mostly positive, maybe this one thing that you got to work on. But uh, hey, that's a, that's a great place to be in. That's a great spot to be in, especially with some free time coming up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lots Again, lots of writing time uh, on my horizon. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully the notes that I get back are, yeah, if you do this, this and this and then do that, then you're good to go. And then I can decide whether I can get that all done by June 30th or how hard I need to work to make that happen. So how about you, man? What was your first thing? Uh, speaking of uh, June 30th, I'm trying to get issue three of Wanders and Melisanda complete. Um, I actually want to get it done by May, but it might, depending how my vacation goes, I'll be gone for five days. And it's like, we got a couple of things planned, but a lot of it is just relaxing. Just our lives are so busy, me and my girlfriend, that we want to just decompress, just relax and chill out. But also for me, that means drawing. I love drawing. It's like, yeah, it's like a, you know, a job, but it's also something I love to do. So I'm excited to just get away from everything, you know, between, you know, going into the beach and in the pool and whatever else we have planned, seeing some ruins. Um, I want to sit back and I want to relax and just draw. And so hopefully I'll be able to keep on schedule. Uh, There were a few days here where I was I'm supposed to be doing a panel a half a day, and there were a couple of days where that just didn't work out. Um, the weekends especially. Weekends are very rough. Our weekends are always uh, booked up. So I've been making up for it. Um, the other day, I think I finished two and a half panels in a day, and today I've already finished um, two and a half, and I'm not done. So after this pod, we're recording relatively early, so it's like I'll have at least three hours before bedtime for me to work on these last two panels. Um, um, the third panel is penciled and the initial lines for the inks are done, but now I just have to put all the line weights. So that that's not much, that doesn't take very long to do. And then I have uh, one more panel to do on that page. And I kind of started a little bit, there's one of the characters that are uh, penciled and inked already. So it's a matter, but it's a kind of a busy shot there's a lot of people in it there's a lot of uh action and everything excuse me there's a lot of action in it so it'll take it'll take a minute um so if anything uh i'm looking at three panels for sure in the day and that's very nice and so that gets me up to nine pages done and um since we talked last like my total went from 22 to 24 so 24 pages in the issue uh nine of them down so i'm pretty happy with it that's awesome, dude. I mean, you're you're cranking on through, and it sounds like you're doing something pretty similar to what I did before that Paris trip I went on, where I knew I was going to be sort of, you know, incapacitated for certain things, right? You're going to be able to draw, and that's amazing, but there are other things you're going to need to do before then because you're just not going to be able to do them. So that's the crazy thing about vacations, right? You You carve out this time for yourself, and... What that means is you got to work ahead and then you got to catch up later. 
you know, and uh, and that was sort of, you know, that's that's how it almost always works. And I'll have this because I'm going on a pretty sweet trip. I mean, I'm not counting all these fencing trips. I'm, I'm not even going on that many of them going forward. But, you know, like I got a couple trips planned and, and we'll get to those in the weeks that they happen. I've got a got a personal trip planned in early April and then I've got a fencing trip planned in late April. And uh, and then we'll see what happens from there. But, yeah, man, you, you work ahead and you do what you have to do. And you, you work really hard so that you can sit back and just absolutely enjoy time with you, with you and a friend, with you and a significant other, with you and whatever you, you want that to be, man. So that sounds amazing. I mean, I know it's a lot of work uh, going in and it'll be a lot of work coming out, but, you know, it's worth it. Yeah, definitely. Um, just just catching up on those days where I didn't hit my goals. It's like, okay, th- these are clearly making up for it. You know, finishing two and a half panels one day and then, um, you know, three so far today. It's it's pretty good. So if I can finish a full page in a day, I'll, I'll be pretty excited about that. And um, that's the beauty of Wanders is the, the backgrounds that are there, it's all organic. I'm drawing trees, rocks, you know, if I'm, I'm drawing huts and everything like that. So I'm not needing a ruler for any of this. And it's just, it's, it's really fun to do. And it's kind of easy to do. And, uh, you know, just using that Slack method, I found the page. I was like, I think I want to work on everything on this page and that's helped out. So I've just been rolling through. I started with the easiest panel on that page and then, you know, progressively harder and harder panels as this day's gone on. And, um, that's the beauty of the method. It keeps you moving, and by the time you're warmed up, you're ready to tackle that harder, that harder image, that harder panel, you know, that harder page. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have an important question. When you're drawing huts, it's obvious you drew Java, right? But Correct. Then the question is, did you draw like was it Aruba, Zorba, Gorga, Zero? Which which one was your next one? All of them. It was a hut orgy, <laughs> a horgy, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, hut orgy. <laughs> <laughs> They're just Star Wars reference bitches. Uh, yeah, yeah. We did it. We did it. World's best cup of coffee. That's from That's Elf, right. by the way, right? That's from That's Elf, right? right? That yeah, is from yeah. Elf, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I do I do love that that scene so much. So um All right, so that gets to my second thing. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make a left turn and just walk away from comics a little bit and talk more about what is what is this really about? This is really about one of my favorite phrases. A man can never stand in the same river twice, right? And then, of course, the subheadline off that headline phrase is because the man has changed and the river has changed. Um, and, and, there's, who, and there's only one set of footsteps because <laughs> Jesus carried us. Exactly, right. exactly. Um, or or thirteen point five percent stout carried us. I think it carried me a couple of podcasts <laughs> ago. But uh, so that's one of my favorite phrases, and uh, and and the reason it's been in my head a lot is because I'm, I'm going to rewind a little bit. So I believe I have gone on record in previous podcasts and said I do not like musicals, right? I, I, know, I know I've mentioned that to you, Scott. The question is whether I've mentioned it, quote, on air. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I know you definitely you've definitely mentioned it to me, but I can't remember if on air or not. I, I, there are times where I have not shut the fuck up on how I don't really like musicals, right? <laughs> but, you know, there are these times, like, you know how sometimes you say to yourself... I drink too much coffee and, and you say, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to just drink less coffee and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. I actually, I've actually done this with diet Coke. Of course, my famous, famous joke is that I've quit diet Coke 42 times. You know, every time you come back with a new plan, my current plan isn't so bad. I only drink, you know, a little bit of diet Coke a day and then drink just a ton of water because seltzer water really works for me. That's off the point. But then there are other things 
where you just wake up the next day and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you know what? The me that walked into this morning, that me is gone. I, I just, whatever, you know? So I woke up back in December or something like that. And I said, you know what? I'm fine with musicals now. My wife loves musicals. She wants to go to musicals with me. My Christmas gift to her was tickets to a musical. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm cool with it. You know? And she was like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's go. So I bought her tickets to see uh, Wicked. So we went to see Wicked. Oh, yeah. I've been wanting to see that. I'm not huge on musicals, but I've heard uh, great things about that. That and the Book of Mormon. Those are. So, okay. So yeah, we're going we're gonna, to, the Wicked is not even the final place. So I went to see Wicked. I thought it was fine. It was a musical. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, but again, I'm trying to, you know, part of this is, I mean, what am I wearing? I'm wearing a Nails You Will Never Be One of Us t-shirt, right? Part of this is trying to, to let that metalhead Keith that wants to hate musicals coexist with a Keith that's just okay with them. You know what I mean? And understand that I can be a metalhead and listen to nails all the time and not hate musicals, which to a bunch of people listening right now, they're going to be like, no shit, you can't dumbass. Yeah. Just, I arrived there. Okay. Like life is a journey. <laughs> so we go to see wicked and, and on the way to wicked, I'm driving to wicked. And, and of course my wife's in the passenger seat and I'm thinking about wicked and I'm thinking about how, like, I'm really not dreading this. You know, I'm not dreading it. I'm not thinking it sucks. But on the other hand, I'm not like pumped for it. You know, like I went to go see, uh, you know, Ghost and Twin Temple a couple weeks ago. I was pumped to go see that. I was ready, you know, like on the way there, I was, I was all excited. So I was thinking to myself, like, is there a musical I could get more excited for than Wicked? And my wife has been working on me for many years to go see Hamilton. So I'm like, oh, Hamilton, hip hop in a musical. That sounds kind of cool. You know, past me. Didn't like Hamilton because, you know, I've loved hip hop forever and I feel like it's some sort of corruption, crimes against the Wu-Tang Clan or whatever, right? But new me just doesn't seem to care. So I was like, I, I tell my wife, I'm like, hey, babe, you know what? I'm ready to see Hamilton. She's like, you are? And I'm like, yeah. She brings out her phone and buys tickets within four minutes. Right? Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's it's only in L.A. for a very short period of time. So she was like, okay. And I'm like, are you trying to get tickets right now because you don't want me to change my mind? And she was like, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she buys the tickets and we end up going to Hamilton last weekend. Okay. So back-to-back weekends, I saw musicals. There's no more musicals in our lives for like the next nine months because nothing's really coming through, right? Have you seen Hamilton? Uh, I saw it on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. So Hamilton's awesome. Like, like if, if I would rate the best musical I'd ever seen before Hamilton and I'd say that musical is a five, Hamilton is a 10. Hamilton is maybe not a 10, 10, you know what I'm saying? But like, it's double as good as the second best musical I've ever seen in my life. It's, mm. it's got, it's got rhymes in it. And granted, again, it's not Wu-Tang Clan, but why are you going into a musical expecting the Wu-Tang Clan? It is, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Miranda, is he still in it? Nah, man, it's got like a totally, I mean, when these things go on tour, they just, get a brand new cast and then that cast like tours around the country for like years. I mean, I think yeah. I saw in the program, like some dude's been on touring shows for 35 years. He's just oh, been shit. touring with Broadway shows for his entire life, which is bonkers. Anyway, this is not meant to be an ad for Hamilton, right? I, because most of the world has agreed that Hamilton is in fact awesome. And I'm like 15 years late to the game. And this is all <laughs> fine because it was my turn to stand in the river. And it was my turn to open myself up to something. And I really enjoyed it. In fact, I bought the script because I thought it was incredibly well written. Um, there are a bunch of refrains that come in and out of it that they keep going back to. I thought the rhymes were pretty good as someone who has written over 200 rap songs in my life, 15 of which I'm willing to play for you. <laughs> you know, I 
I thought it was good. I thought it was good. And and I say this again not to get people to want to listen, want to watch Hamilton or anything, um, but more that as a reminder to just continue to try to hopefully expose yourself to as much as possible. You know, we what got a friend of mine when I was talking about this. Oh, I know what it was. She was saying, she was saying when I was telling her that, that I actually liked Hamilton, she's like, yeah, you know, like five years ago, I woke up one day and I decided I stopped. I didn't want to be a hater. She said, don't be a hater. And uh, that's kind of like the mantra that I'm going with here. Like try to love as much stuff as possible and give it a shot, you know? And if you think it sucks, well, you think it sucks because you gave it a shot. But again, that's, that's kind of like my one thing that hopefully encourages people out there to just try new stuff, try a new thing every now and then. And, uh, and make sure you're doing that and make sure you're stretching yourself because while nothing about Hamilton has made its way into anything I've written or anything in my brain, you never know when some little thing, and I don't mean I'm going to write a, you know, presidential hip hop throwback musical. I mean that, you know, there's this little thing you can steal, this little thing that you learn, this little thing that you can incorporate into your own work simply by absorbing it. I mean, we've talked about that repeatedly. But uh, anyway, that was just more of a hopefully a story that people wanted to listen to. But a reminder, just, you know, get out there, get out there and read stuff and watch stuff and feed your brain and and feed your brain outside of your comfort zone every now and then. And uh, you might like the result. Nice, man. Um, I guess I'm not a a musical guy, but I I don't I'm not a hater. uh, That's just not who I am. I, I don't I just don't care about stuff. And, like, that's kind of my thing. It's like, yeah, I, I'm not into it. I just don't care about it. You can like it all you want. I just don't care. So, yeah, um, and I gave I gave Hamilton a go, and I liked it, and I, I thought it was cool. But I was also expecting more for whatever reason. Like, it was overhyped to me or something mm-hmm. like that. So, if you thought Wicked was just whatever and Hamilton was awesome, then I probably won't like Wicked. Um, just going by that logic. Well, but, I wouldn't uh, say that's necessarily true, though, you know, because okay. it's just a taste. But it's maybe. also like, you know, you you bring up something really interesting, which is for me, I I tend to be very reluctant to get into things when they are in their hype, you know, mm. and and if you saw Hamilton X years ago, you saw it at the peak of hype. And you get this whole like, shit, this is the greatest thing ever. This is fucking amazing. And then and then you see it and you're like, it was fine. You know? And and by saying it was fine, you basically put yourself in the lowest 10 percentile of fans. Oh, what? You didn't think it was the greatest fucking thing? Ah, I thought it was fine. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, like, that's all. I thought it was yeah. fine. And so there are things for me like this where it's almost like I like riding out the wave and then just waiting for this insanely post-prime look at it. And then I'm the asshole that walks in the room going, hey, you, you know, it was pretty good. That thing that came out 15 <laughs> years ago, like someday I'm going to sit down and watch Game of Thrones. I haven't done it yet. Ah, fuck it. <laughs> you know, like I didn't want to watch it when everybody was talking about it, you know, yeah. and uh, and there will be a day when I want to sit down and watch it and I'm going to watch it. And then shit, I might even come on the podcast and be like, dude, you know, it's really good Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no shit, asshole. It was good in 2009, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, just just don't watch it with your daughters. Um, no, you're gonna. Make I made that mistake with American Gods. Didn't we talk about that? Uh, not sure, but yeah, you're gonna make you're gonna make some awkward memories. So let's, top top let's parent not. tip out there, party people, don't fucking watch American Gods with your kids. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. 
Um, okay, so my second thing, we're going back to comic-related items. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, so people are receiving the books from the Kickstarter. So really, my week was focused on drawing Wanderers 3. So, But the next bit of information I have for you is I'm getting contacted by people that have received issues 10 and 12 for the Kickstarter of, of Second Shift. And uh, one guy actually read it already, and he, he was really happy with the issues. He thought they were awesome. And he said he's actually going to pull out all of his Second Shift issues. He has the complete run, I guess. And he said he's going to do a reread. And I was like, hey, man, if if you're going to do a reread, you know, um, hit me back up, you know, drop some words to me and we'll put it in the letters column. So he's going to do that, which, which is pretty cool. And um, yeah, I said, if if you don't, if you're not going to do if you're not going to do the reread or you don't have time or whatever, do you mind if I use what you just wrote, you know, in the letters? And he said, yeah, yeah, but I, I'm going to do the reread. So, you know, just hang tight. And I was like, OK, cool. And, you know, I'm working on Wanders anyway. So second shift isn't going to get touched for another probably like three months so unfortunately it's like i'm in a real real nice headspace when it comes to creating right now like i have a lot a lot of ideas in my brain that i need to get out and um unfortunately there's just not enough time in a day so i i wish i i wish i had a, a second scott that could just all right this scott will work on wanders you work on second shift and then maybe we can get another dupe and he can work on this other project that's uh been pending uh, the one I had talked about a while back where I needed to replace the story in a particular issue and then turns out the guy said he wants to finish his. So mm -hmm. um, that one's percolating and uh, I'm just like getting more and more ideas off of that. And uh, yeah, man, there's just so much going on in my brain. I actually had this this random thought. Um, I have a big storyline coming up in the second shift and it's uh, issues 16 through like 21, I think, or 16 through 20. 16, 17, 18. Uh, it's a five-part story arc. I haven't done a five-part story arc since the first one. And because uh, I've been wanting to do these one-shots and these two-parters, you know, just something quick and easy, you know, not getting so, so engulfed in just one storyline for so many years. And so... Uh, but it's time now. And this is something we, me and Ed have talked about since we laid out that very first skeleton. And uh, it's, it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. Originally, it was supposed to be issue 25 was supposed to be the first issue of that. But I was like, hey, man, I don't want to be 60 when I'm drawing this story. <laughs> so uh, let's move it up as fast as possible. Yeah. And so that that got us to issue 16. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I thought of something else that can be incorporated into the story and it's kind of like, ever since we did that episode on three act structure, my brain has just been processing the writing part of, of comics, um, which I never do, you know, mm -hmm. it's not something I think about. That's Ed's job. You know, I'm the guy that I'm the drawing monkey, you know, he's the writing <laughs> monkey. So <laughs> Um, but it's, but yeah, it's been putting ideas in my brain and, and we had a, uh, we have a standalone issue of uh, 15 that introduces or not introduces reintroduces a couple of characters that have been in the series and they're going to be important parts of that five part story, or they're going to be part of that five part story. And so, you know, thinking about that story and how it affects the storyline coming up. And I, I had these other ideas that I was like, dude, we got to do this, this, and this. And then so we start going back and forth. And it was just, it was cool, man. It was like, we're in the writing room together. And uh, I'm shooting ideas his way. And he goes, well, what do you think about this? 
and uh you know just going back and forth and it was excellent and and um you know if you guys are out there and you have a collaborator and you're doing the same thing me and me and ed were doing this via text we're both former wrestlers so we're a little punchy sometimes so um we make sure that that gets sent in an email so you know we wrote a lot of stuff so i just took screen caps on my phone of our conversation um put numbers on them so they're in order and then i emailed them to ed so now when I go back to him and go, Hey, what do we got on this? You know, when we finally get there, we don't have to rely on our memory. We have emails, you know, so, so get your shit in writing, you know, not on text, get or capture your text and send them through email. You need those emails to go back and just really make sure you got all that information because we're, we're boneheads. We did that previously. We were just one day, we were going back and forth all day long. And then, you know, months later I was like, Hey, did you write any of that down? He goes, Nope. And he goes, did you? Well, nope, sure didn't. Wow. Okay. Well, we're going to learn from our mistakes here. Yeah. And so, yeah, email is key. Make sure you got those saved, put in a special folder so you can find them later on. Yeah. I mean, you, good ideas are good ideas and, oh God, there's this, there's this great idea. And I, I, I know I'm going to dip into dreams again, but one of my favorite, one of my favorite little literary ideas out there is something that Neil Gaiman threw out in Sandman which was the idea of this in the dream world in the dream world there is a library of the great work of the great works that were written in the dream world but never brought to the real world you know and i just think that is such a cool fucking idea you know god i feel like i feel like that's the truth though yeah. like how many times have you had a dream and it was so vivid and then 15 minutes after you woke up it was gone yeah. You couldn't remember a fucking thing about it. Yeah. Okay, so wait. Can we can we go on a little detour on dreams? Sure. Please tell me we can. Okay, good. Um, so I, I, when I listen back to my, look, who are we kidding? My transcendent Gigan dream, right? There's been a change in the <laughs> infernal plan. I, I realized that I kind of missed an opportunity there, an opportunity, and I want to bring that up here, which is if you like dreams, and I will say I have been obsessed with dreams since like age 13. You know, like I, I remember there being one book in fucking B. Dalton about like your dreams explained and straight up those books are complete bullshit because it would what it was was it was like a glossary where it would be like, well, what does a cat mean? in a dream and it would be like a cat means that you know you you want money and it's like fucking what <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense you know what i mean like what what does a naked member of the opposite sex mean and it's like it means you want to achieve in career and like what the fuck is going on <laughs> you know like <laughs> like no no there's no way any of that can make sense i say that because there is a comic out there that's out of print that i absolutely adored and i i'm trying to recollect it um, but it's a little harder to get than you think. It's Roarin' Rick's Rare Bit Fiends, and it's by Rick Veach. Um, so he's like a 60s, 70s, 80s comic artist. And what he what he did was he started writing down all his dreams. Hmm. And he's, you know, you can get it in a collected trade. You can also try to pick up the singles. But it is a fascinating book in dreams because what happened was it went like 40 issues. So he did the first couple with his dreams. And then he got a flood of people sending in their dreams. And then he started illustrating their dreams. And then he also started keeping a dream journal. And in keeping a dream journal, what he found was that it made his dreams longer, more epic, and more vivid. 
So this is something I've done. There was like three years in my life where I kept a dream journal and God damn it if it isn't true. Like it's this weird conversation between you and your subconscious, you know? So anyway, I say all that because yes, I totally agree with stuff like that on dreams. And these kind of conversations you have with co-creators sometimes, you know, not sometimes, that's what we're talking about in the context here. They can feel dreamlike after a while, you know, except they're better because there have been plenty of times where I have woken up from a dream and I'm just like, fuck, that was like the coolest idea for a story ever. And then I lay awake in bed and then my conscious brain takes over and it's like, that's actually really stupid. (laughs) like that's that's pretty terrible not only is it stupid it's been done before you know it's just amazing how there's not only these dream ideas but there's this dream feeling you get about these ideas where you know you're just like the dream you or the dream consciousness you is thinking what a great idea this would be and then you wake up like my god that was such a great idea and then your conscious brain takes a hold of it it's like it's just it's been done already or it's just bad um if if you guys are into comics that are dreams drawn out uh one of my friends uh lucid nap uh is is her handle on instagram or uh, what is this? Creeping underscore wave underscore radio. And uh, actually her main page there, it's lucid underscore nap. She actually, she I was talking to her. She goes to San Diego Comic Fest, which is a, a local convention here in San Diego. It's the Accidental Alien home convention. And um, she was telling me she actually has the ability to control her dream. She's able to move around in her dreams. Um, it, it's called something particular. I don't know what that is. But she's able to do it. Mm -hmm. And so she actually has a comic series that she does where she illustrates her dreams. And I bought the first volume of it. And it's it's pretty crazy. Like, I I really enjoyed it. I was like, this is so bizarre. And uh, that like I saw her. I bought it one year and I saw her the next year. And I was like, hey, I need the second volume of this. I really like this first volume. And then that's when she clued me in. She goes, yeah, I actually have the ability to control my dreams like i'm aware that i'm dreaming and and all of that and and to me that's like amazing so uh if you're into that sort of thing um like bridges then you're gonna go to lucid naps uh page on instagram i am (laughs) i am so into that and i am going to check that out and if for some reason i can't get a copy or anything i'm gonna ask you to buy me copies at san diego comic fest and i'll just settle up with you but um but anyway so yes i am that that sounds like a modern day rare bit fiends which is amazing um so anyway uh, I think we're ready to go into our main topic, right? Yeah. So today's main topic is the bad days. Yeah. So we all yeah. we all have them. Uh, not every day, not every week can be great. You know, like one week you're creating, everything's flowing, everything's moving, you're shucking, you're jiving, you're, uh, you know, writing your scripts, you're drawing your pages, your panels, everything is cool. Uh, sometimes it's not the truth. Sometimes... It's not working for you. You can't get words on paper. You can't illustrate to save your life. Nothing is working. Um, so we're going to talk about that today. What yeah. do you do when you're having a bad day, uh, you know, comic-wise or or creator-wise? Yeah, I mean, look, I can speak very specifically to this because one of the things that prompted this is that today was one such rough day for me. And um, and I'll, I'll set this up a little bit, right? Like, as we're as we're recording this... Um, the Kickstarter is three days old. And the results for it are strange, right? It's been a strange Kickstarter. So on one hand, the thing we talked about last week, Scott, 
the the fucking once upon a time in Shaolin tier. I created it. One copy. One copy of this book. Your copy. I'm not even doing a second one. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to do one copy and it's going to be like special and it's going to have some kind of like badass cover and shit. Somebody backed it. I can't see. Oh, no way. Somebody fucking backed it. So. Oh, that's awesome. It was an insanely high price. Right. So. So that's great. That's great. But I don't know what to make of it because somebody backed that tier. And I love that. And it means that the Kickstarter is on track. You know, as of today, again, this is going to air far after this. The Kickstarter is it let's go with like a third of the way there. Right. And we're not a third of the way through the Kickstarter. But anybody who does Kickstarters knows that, you know, I have probably just entered the dead middle a few days in. So now who knows what that's going to look like, you know? So I don't know whether to be excited or concerned because, yes, everything counts. But, you know, the Victor Vaughn in me is thinking if you take that away, then the Kickstarter's not going to fund, you know? And so to know me is to know that I am, I am always fighting some level of writer neuroses. You know, it's, I don't know if it's the mark of a true writer, but it's the mark of a lot of writers that we are neurotic motherfuckers. And, uh, so it gets in your head, you know, and you have days like today where the Kickstarter has barely moved and, um, and you're just sitting there going, man, what am I doing? You know, because not, not what am I doing? Like, what am I doing with my life? That's not it. You know, like to, to reset a little bit, Three Protectors is going to get released through Diamond. It's in previews right now. People are ordering it, have ordered it, have already pre-ordered it. I don't know because we don't get the numbers for a few weeks. So the Kickstarter's running in parallel. So, you know, if you want to get cool extra shit and a different cover and some extra tchotchkes and stuff and have the money go straight to the artist, then, you know, you back the Kickstarter, right? That's how it works. That's how we've set up our business model to work. Um, So the book's going to come out. And, and that's a cool thing. And I'm going to have copies and I'm going to be selling them at conventions. Those things are givens, but you know, if, if you're sitting there having a, a low day in the Kickstarter, you're like, wow, is this going to fund, you know? And then you ask yourself those kind of questions. And then sometimes those little things compound, you know, like I'm not going to go into it, but there was a little bit of a, a, a personal thing that came up that was a little trying in the middle of the day. Um, then you get home. I'm like, I'm going to take a shower, right? Like a repairman came over and fixed the shower. There's no hot water. So you got that going on, right? I turn on the TV. I'm like, oh, let me catch the end of the Sixers, right? The Sixers are getting the fucking shit beat out of them right now. Like, I think they were losing by 30 when I turned it on. And are all they these, playing the Nets? Yeah, the Nets are were oh. absolutely bombing them, dude. And even worse, Seth Curry was like, he was like, like like 10 for 12 or something like that. It was just, it, dude, it's it's one of those days. Like, it's the NBA. There are days where you wake up and everybody makes everything and you look like fools. And that's sort of what happened. Like, it's, you know, of course, Sixers fans, because we're Sixers fans, they were booing the crap out of them. But it's like, you don't understand basketball then. Because some days you're just, you just wake up and the other team wakes up and they make 80% of their shots in the first half and you're losing by 30, you know, and the game's over. So... So it's just one of those days, you know, and, and, and what I do to get myself out of that is I work, right? Like, cause, cause that's the thing I can control. But even that in today's case, I was working and I just hit this, I'm getting toward the end of my novel and I just got to the spot. I'm like, oh my God, that part's all wrong. 
I think I just need to cut this, you know, and cutting is okay. Cutting is a tool, but I don't say this for any reason other than some days it just feels like the wind's in your face. You know what I mean? And, and again, the best thing I do is create because for every day where there, there are days like this, there are days where you are going to feel like the wind is in your face or you're walking uphill or whatever you want to say the, the clever phrasing is for that, right? And some days you got to work your butt off just to stand in the same place you were when you entered the day. But there are other days. There are those days like it sounds like you're kind of in right now, right? Where you're in a clearing and the ideas are coming and they're flowing and everything is wonderful and you're just writing and you're like, this makes sense and that makes sense. I mean, I just had some stuff like that with the novel a couple weeks ago, right? Where I, I was saying how everything was coming together and it all feels like like everything makes sense and it's all good. And then I hit days like today or these last couple days with the novel and it's just like, it's not, you know? And there's not a lot of comic for me to create right now. So, cause I just finished Kadoja issue two. So it's just, it's kind of like the novel is what I'm working on right now, aside from just promoting the hell out of the Kickstarter. So you know, in my case, Scott, all I do is I just I just punch my way through it and I settle into the, you know, not counting the fact that, of course, my wife's amazing, my family's amazing, you know, those kind of things. Those are always nice things that you can lean on. But when it comes down to just me alone in my room, I lean on the fact that I like creating and I just keep on creating. And uh, even if you're ramming your head against a wall, well, just know one day that wall is going to fall down and you're going to feel like the greatest person ever because you knocked that wall down, you know? So how about you, man? I mean, again, we all know 100% of our days aren't, aren't like this. So, so what do you do when you have those kind of rough days? You know, it's tough because, because I've had those days with the Kickstarters as well. Um, You know, I like, I have usually very modest goals because number one, I am the most expensive part of creating a comic book. The artist is the most expensive person that's going to get paid to do these books. Um, I don't, I don't charge that on my Kickstarters. Um, you don't have the same luxury. You're the writer. So you're fronting those costs. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the heavy lifting price wise, you know, Ed will get some money, you know, the, you know, he's my writer, so he'll get some dough. Tristan, you know, does, does some lettering for me. He gets some dough. And then uh, Joaquin, you know, he's always paid beforehand. You know, he gets uh, he gets paid essentially a Kickstarter before. Mm-hmm. Like, and then so this past Kickstarter, um, some of the money there is saved for Joaquin for the next issue because that work needs to be done before the Kickstarter even gets off the ground. So that's that's how I save myself from coming out of pocket. It's just like, no, no, you, you didn't make any profit on this. You made, you know, you covered all the book expenses, this this and that. You, you paid for extra, the Kickstarter paid for extra copies and it paid for the coloring for the next issue. Um, so I'm lucky in those senses. But at the same time, the, the dead middle of a Kickstarter hits us all. So, you know, I'll, those... Like I usually do one month, you know, or, or about 25 days, depending whenever, whenever the Monday is of that month, that's usually when I launch it. And then I'll go to the end of the month and then the first of the first of the next month. So there'll be one week where it's like rock solid, maybe five solid days of backing. And then you get two weeks of like stragglers here and there. And those are just as rough for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, yeah, I'm going to hit my goal because like, like. 
I've, I've seen some other Kickstarters. I, I like, this is a, this is a method I did when I was setting up my booth at, at conventions. So I would look at other people's booths and what they were doing and why they were succeeding throughout the convention. And I would, it was just like, I was Jeet Kune Doing the conventions. You know, mm-hmm. I was looking at everybody, seeing what they were doing, taking what was useful, discarding what was useless to me. And that's how I created how I set my booth up. Um, and, and so it's that method kind of like helps with Kickstarters, but also you, you get to those dead times and you're just like, well, there's nothing I can do. I've learned from these other Kickstarters. One thing I picked up from another Kickstarter, the reason why I brought that up, I lost that for a second is I saw this very successful Kickstarter and their goal was always 300 bucks, but they would blow way past that way, way past that. And I always wondered why they did it. And it's just like, I think their business model is like, we're the creators of this book. So we're going to front the cost ourselves for paying ourselves. So the 300 bucks is essentially printing. Okay, this is the lean amount, least amount of books that we want to get printed. So this is how much we're, we're going to go for. So I took that business model. That was the, the thing I, I took from that Kickstarter. And I find that it helps my neuroses quite a bit mm-hmm. because those dead mi- middle, like if I'm not hitting the goal, they they could be torture, pure pure torture. So I, I know what you're going through, and I know what you're about to go through because you're you're getting to that time. Yeah, man. Um, so it is the Jackson Five. That was a great song, or was it the Jacksons in the '80s? Torture by the Jacksons. Fantastic. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to look, listen to that one. I, I don't know that one off the top of my head. Yeah, State of, State of Shock was the big hit with Mick Jagger, but Torture is is quietly, or not so quietly, the best song on that record. Thank you, that is all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so um, yeah. So for me, it's definitely happened with the Kickstarters. You know, as far as creating-wise, uh, the bad days, um, thankfully... Um, I feel like I'm plugging the shit out of my method here, but the Slack method really helps erase those days for me because the days that I'm not drawing well, I'm not drawing backgrounds or I'm not drawing characters, I'll switch gears. You know, it's just like, okay, well, the backgrounds aren't working. Let me switch to characters. Okay, the characters aren't working either. Let me switch to flats. Let me go to pages that I've already done. You know, flatting is mindless work. It's just, it's so easy to do it's just a little time consuming but the days that it's not working for me that's what i'll turn to you know and if i don't have anything to flatten then i'll turn to lettering like whoa i could letter some pages Mm -hmm. so it just it keeps me moving um uh, but i've had those days in the past like the days where nothing you're doing is coming out right they can just be so cruel so frustrating it feels like you don't know what you're doing with your life you're like do i not know how to do this and so you know, developing my method of creation, it has helped me, you know, pass those things by. It's just like, okay, I'm not as stuck as I used to be. And that's, that's how I deal with the bad days. It's just like, well, what can I do to move forward still? And and for me, that's the biggest thing is always moving forward. Don't get stuck, um, you know, doing the same thing over and over again. So the way I, I maneuver around them is switching gears, changing it up, and um, I guess that's the benefit sometimes of having multiple hats in a project is, you know, if you're only doing one aspect. So, you know, Keith, you're, you have multiple hats in your projects as well. So you, you know that you can always switch gears. Well, it's like, well, I'm trying to write 
you know, this chapter of this issue, it's not working. Well, what else can I do? Oh, I'll switch to my novel, you know, or, oh, hey, I need to letter those pages anyway. You know, the, the writing part of the process isn't working. Well, I've already written some shit and I need to put those in some word bubbles. So let's do that today. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's perfect. You know, to, to, to go back, I mean, remember that, that we're talking about making comics. You have a, a previous career as a wrestler. I have a previous, you know, let's call it side gig. <laughs> you know, I'd love to say it was a career, but, you know, I was an indie musician through a funk boutique label. That's not, that's not exactly the gross domestic product kind of money, you know. <laughs> um, so, but there were days where, you know, you'd, you'd try to do stuff back in the day and you'd be like, God, nobody wants to review my stuff. Nobody's coming to our shows. Nobody's this, nobody's that. Whatever it's, whatever that whatever is or, or whatever that bad thing is, it happens. And there were days in the past, way back in the day, where it'd just be like, why the fuck am I doing this? You know, like, like why am I really just punching myself repeatedly in the face for this, you know? And my answer has always been, you know, like there was one time where I was like, fuck it. I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I'm just, fuck it. I'm just, I'm just gonna, just gonna play video games. I just gonna play video games and drink Diet Coke. (laughs) That's what I'm gonna do. And after about two days of playing video games, I was like, I got this idea for a song, (laughs) you know, like you can't fucking stop it. Like I'm imagining that most, if not all, of the people that listen to this podcast, you like to create and maybe it's not even like, maybe it's, you have to, you know, it's, it's, it's what we are. It's just, it's who we are. It's in our blood, you know? And I realized that, you know, all those years ago. And so days like this, you know, like Scott and Scott, you probably realized it days ago too. It's just, you can't, it's not something to shut off. It's just who we are. And that's a gift. And, and on the days where it's it, it feels like it sucks, just keep on creating. And you know what? If it sucks, create something that channels the anger. You know, like if if I'm if I'm going to be angry, you know, it's funny because because, you know, on earlier before we recorded, I was like, I happened to be looking over at something and I saw a folder of this like death metal, you know, I, I think you guys know out there that I did a four song. Um, I played guitar and like basically co-wrote the songs and did producing shit on a four song demo called casket master. It's on Spotify right now. If you want to listen to it, if you like death metal. And, uh, I just looked at that. I was like, yeah, maybe I should make some death metal, <laughs> you know, like, like maybe I'm in the mood. Maybe I just need to write about some death metal things and that'll do better. But you know, that's how I do it, right? You channel it and you figure out a way to to channel that thing into something creative and something that might actually be productive for you because you just never know. You just never know, man. When when you create, you create because it's in your blood, you know? And, uh, and anyway, so yeah, man. Uh, if you can find a way to channel that, then props to you. Yeah, and something you said earlier uh, about just punching through, just just keep keep on pushing uh, through whatever that moment is, that's actually another th- that before I developed my method of creating, that's what I used to do. Uh, you know, or, or you get to the end of the project and there's nothing to do but push through when you have to. Um, I recommend doing it. You know, like at the time, whatever you're writing, whatever you're drawing, it might seem like shit. And you're like, this is just trash. Like, what am I doing? I've, I've drawn stuff and go, 
I don't feel good about this. Like it's done, but I don't feel good about this. And I've left it alone for a couple of days, a week maybe. And I come back to it and I'm like, not too bad. Like, like I was, it was just whatever was going on with me mentally that day. It wasn't accepting what I was doing as good. And I come back to it another day with fresh eyes. Um, you know, there's something to be said about staring at something, you know, a blank piece of paper for so long and finally putting something down and you go, this isn't, this isn't up to snuff. This isn't worth, you know, this isn't what I normally do. I create at a higher level than this, what's going on. And you might just be having a bad day. You know, it just, it doesn't feel right. But when you go back and you look at it, it might be perfectly fine. There might not be anything wrong with it. Might, you might even like it coming mm-hmm. back to it. You never know. So if, if you unfortunately don't have the ability to switch gears, if you don't have many other projects or um, hats to wear in, in said project, power through. Yeah. Keep working. Keep working until it's done or until your day's done when you don't have any more time, then, then you know, work till you can't anymore. You know, that's, that's something that a lot of people don't do. And uh, as artists, like I know artists can be very fickle we can be very difficult, um, but it, it's very important to realize this is also a job. It's fun. It's a fun job, but at the end of the day, it's still a job. So you have a job to do. So put those hours in, you know, put pencil to paper, whether it be drawing figures or writing a script and uh, get the work done, you know, have something to show at the end of the day that you actually did something today and uh, you tried your best. You tried your hardest. Yeah, man. And I so I have two thoughts on that. I think the first one is this this really bumps up against something we talked about in a previous episode, I think, which is it's it's harder to create something from nothing than it is to turn a shitty thing into a good thing. So some days you have that where you're just like you create something from nothing and you're like, this fucking sucks, you know, and you're like, maybe you're not in the mind right mind state. Hey, maybe it does suck, but that's okay. Right. Because you might look at that the next day, you might look at it two days later and you say, there's something here, you know. So, yeah, this this isn't perfect, but I, I, I put it into existence and now I can edit it and make it better and better and better. So, again, even if you have those days where it just doesn't feel right to Scott's point, to my point, punch through it, see what you can do. You know, that's kind of like my first A of 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 the A and B. You know, the B there is today, the writing that I'm talking about. I'm going to get a little more granular on it. I was in this scene, and it's a scene that basically builds up to the what we would call the big act two turning point that drives us home into the this huge revelation that leads to the big climactic act three, okay? And boy, can those scenes be fucking annoying because you're like, ah, I got the cool shit that's just right there. It's just, it's just right there, you know, but you got to get to it and you got to get to it organically and it wasn't working. So I was like, you let the characters take over, right? Cause that's what you're supposed to do. If you're a good writer and you've stood up these characters and they're speaking for themselves and they're doing all those cool things that you hear writers talk about where they're like, and the character told me to do this and all this shit. Well, the character told me to do something. And I pursued how that character, let's just call it side character A against lead character. And side character A and lead character worked their way down the page and I wrote like two pages of stuff and then I got to the end, I'm like, yeah, no, 
this is this is putting me in a direction that just makes no fucking sense, you know, or or not that it doesn't make sense. It it doesn't get me anywhere near that next video game checkpoint that I've talked about. So that's when it's time for you to play God again. And and so I played God and I said, nah, fuck this. So I just cut the whole thing. I cut all of it. I undid those two pages, went right back to the main part. I'm like, all right, how could this be a little different while retaining the integrity of the characters, right? I rewrote it. It then led to to a, a slightly different outcome than I had had before, but a very different outcome of this path that I'd walked down that I found was a dead end, which led me into the next scene, which then made me realize like, oh, if this leads me, the lead character, into this scene, then it's very logical based on the conversation I just wrote, because I'm God, that the lead character would then think this, and the lead character would then go to this place. And by the lead character going to that place, it made me realize that I had to cut an entire scene because I didn't need it anymore. It was fluff. It was nonsense. And it allowed me to get the lead character to that thing that is the big act two to three turning point after all. So like, look, it was frustrating as hell, but it got me there. And it's not the final version. Like, I'm really going to need to work on this because... um, Comics aren't quite like this, you know, but novels are definitely like this. There's there's this great phrase, I think I mentioned it before, um, from Charles Johnson, where if 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 act three is your problem, then act two is your problem. You know, like that's it's not act three that's the problem. The problem is before it. And what you need to do is you need to go back to act two and you need to fix that shit that's in act two. He didn't say that. Okay, that shit is is my phrase. But you need to go back and do that. And so as a result, what generally happens in a novel is the earlier you get in the novel, the better it's written. And the later you get in the novel, the worse it's written. Because if you ever get to the point where at the end of the novel is fucked, you're like, oh shit, I got to go back to Acts 2 and, th- and 1 and rewrite those. And then you end up with these killer polished Acts 1 and 2. And Act 3 is basically like first draft level, you know, so... Mm. Your your boy Keith knows that there's going to be a whole lot of Act Two slash Three work in his future in these next couple months. Um, but to get it back to the main point, sometimes you got to walk that path and just ram your head against a wall. You know, I, I've given the example before. If sometimes you ram your head against the wall and then it gives, right? Other times you ram your head against the wall and you realize it's the wrong wall. Like I'm ramming my head against the wrong fucking wall. I need to go ram my head against that other wall and I'll be fine. Yeah, uh, going back to what I was talking about earlier as well, uh, pushing through, some days you will draw something, you'll think it's shit, and and you'll go back to it a week later, and it's still shit. So just just be aware that that can also happen, totally. all right? So it's not always like, hey, I was just wrong in that moment. It's like, no, no, you were right. But at the end of the day, at the end of the week, you have to be proud of yourself that you actually did it. You put the effort in. And you realized, hey, if I'm going to get any better at this, I have to push through when, you know, there's resistance. You know, you can't just give up every time there's resistance. That's that's a problem. So, yeah, just keep pushing through. It might be great. It might be solid. It might be okay, And so it might be shitty. But uh, um, to Keith's point about writing scripts, it's like, hey, it might not be the best thing you ever wrote, but there might be a couple of things in there that you can glam onto. Same thing with drawing. There, it might the drawing might suck, but then there might be this killer 
uh, part of it that you drew, it's like, hey, that's probably the best fist I've ever drawn, you know, or every, you know, uh, hand pointing or something or facial expression, you know, hopefully there'll be something to take away from it, you know, whether it be good or bad or somewhere in between, you know, just uh, know that the, it's important. Those days are important and you have to push through and you have to keep working and striving towards your goal. Yeah. And I mean, one final note to that. This happens to everyone. Okay. Like, I'm not going to say Frank Miller went through this today, but odds are someone of Frank Miller's caliber went through this today. That's it. It happens to everybody because creators create like working for a big company or financial success or, you know, achieving, you know, popularity, all of these things, they don't change the fundamental things we're talking about at a creative level. In fact, what I have heard in many cases is they only make it worse because if if you think creating is rough on the indie side, try being successful in doing it because now you have to live up to your own expectations and you have commercial success. And the people that I have listened to in interviews like this, they always come back to this. It's like you feel weighed down by the financial, critical, you know, whatever success that you've had. And it can really work against you even more. So, you know, having these type of quote unquote successes that we see and we look up on the indie level and you're like, wow, wouldn't it be great if I was king of England and I could, you know, get a gold plated pen and do all my drawing with that gold plated pen. The people with the gold plated pens, they're going through the same stuff and they bear the burden of that sometimes too. So every creator goes through it. It's natural. Absolutely. All right, I think that's pretty good for the main topic. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I thought it was pretty solid. We thought of it on the fly, really. We had a completely different uh, topic to do, but it was something we decided that we need to research more before we get into that. So I thought this was a great one. Uh, Keith thought of it uh, moments before we started recording. So uh, it was a great one to do. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Uh, Keith, you you got any random bullshit you want to talk about at the end here? Do I have random bullshit? I feel like I do. I feel like I do. But then again, that Hamilton thing was pretty random fucking bullshit. You know, like, <laughs> like I, in fairness, I kind of dropped my random bullshit into the main content of our, of what we did last week. It was a little random. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's yeah. okay. It happens sometimes. That's what uh, happens. You drink a uh, 13.9% and 10.5. You just uh, let shit roll. This is our highest combined percentage of ABV ever. <laughs> it is. <laughs> that's what's so it great is. about it. That's what's yeah, so great absolutely. about it. It it makes me wish like we to put a microphone in front of ourselves when we both had those two madams with Ed uh, whenever that was like two months ago because you and I were just feeling completely glorious and yeah I absolutely would have recorded the best podcast ever and recorded history right then and there with you man <laughs> so yeah. you go first man you have anything any random bullshit you wanted to talk about well I do this thing um, when we talked about around Christmas time uh, apparently both of us do it. So we'll get a bunch of packages in, we'll order comics or whatever books, and we just don't open them. And so the other day, I finally decided to open uh, about 20 packages. I had about 20 packages saved up (laughs) that it was just random things that I ordered or Kickstarters that I had backed. I think about four of them were Kickstarters, and the rest was eBay-related items. So um, it was pretty cool. Uh, I got a lot of Golden Age Daredevil in, and uh, I got some TMNT hardcovers by IDW. Uh, apparently, I only need two more volumes, and I've got the whole set. 
And so I've already uh, went on eBay and looked for the, the two that I need. And uh, But I would say that's about it. I'm, I'm trying to chill the fuck out. I've got a couple of things that I want to do um, art-wise that are completely random. And uh, I, guess I'll, I guess I'll talk about those later in another episode. <laughs> that's more of a main topic situation or like a uh, you know, beginning of the episode uh, topic. But yeah, yeah, just opening all these packages that I've had built up for I think the last two months or something. And it was nice to finally unbox all of them. Number one takes up way less space in my home office with all of my comics um, because it's just like boxes and everything like that. So now they're way more condensed, right? So, uh, and then getting those hard covers on the shelf, that helps too. And uh, yeah, man, just that's about it. I'm trying to chill the fuck out, but man, there's always more books that I want to buy. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So I okay, I have two random bullshit things now that I think about it. I mean this is oh, really yeah. weird. me too, me too. That was number one. So Okay, I'll, good, go ahead. good. This is this go is ahead. random bullshit thing number one for me. Um I am in fact holding true to my comics thing. In that all I really care about is new shit. And I haven't been to the shop this week, but I'm gonna go tomorrow probably and get my new shit for the week, and that's kind of fun. And uh, you know, random thing. I just followed today on, I think, Twitter, through the Invader Twitter, um, the guy who does the art for Time After Time. You know, like, you know how in Dave Chappelle, Arsenio Hall slaps the shit out of someone because he's like, how come you didn't tell me how good the cheese was? Uh-huh. How come you didn't tell me how good the art was in Time After Time, man? That is so my shit. That is yeah, so it's my so shit. good. So I'm going to need to catch up on that. I'm just going to snap up everything I can find on that and try to grab all the singles I can. So random thing, next time you're in SoCal Comics, let me know if you come across any singles and like hit me up, okay? Because I'll probably just hit you back. I mean, I got some comics here for you. So, you know, we're, yeah. we, you, you're, you're able to get those and we can still make it right. Um, so that, yeah. was, that was sub random thing number one. All right, let but me hop up- on to my... Uh- Oh, do you have another yeah, number uh, one? So okay. of, but that wasn't even random thing number one. Random thing number one is that music is really my shit right now. And I placed a pretty cool record order through one of my favorite online websites. And I'm hoping it comes up. So I've been catching up a little bit on some records that I've been meaning to buy. Um, I'm on this, I'm on this kick for a couple of these death metal bands. You know, I mean, I really enjoyed Ghost when I saw them. They're not death metal. But there's a band called Undeath out there. That's uh, just, you know, look, they're death metal, okay? So people who listen to the podcast and are like, man, I love death metal. Like, you know, Brian Clark, for example. And and maybe there are some others, but I know Brian Clark's like a death metal guy. Um, undeath rules, dude. I'm, I'm on such a huge undeath kick. So I got their first record. I had already pre-ordered their second record. So records are kind of doing it for me. I also ordered a bunch of jazz records that are that are pretty awesome and that should be coming in soon and i'm looking forward to so Some random kenny, you know, I, kenny dude kenny he dude he plays clarinet through his fucking nose or is it flute you ever see that know. shit dude i think <laughs> i think he can hold a single note for like a minute 30 with one breath oh shit All it's right. fucking bonkers dude oh, uh, sorry a, kenny g dude, didn't mean on, to slander you dude kenny kenny <laughs> kenny g's a prodigy well the, okay random thing though you ever heard the song godzilla by eminem uh, I'd have to hear it. So I highly, if if you haven't heard it and you like hip hop, I highly recommend you listen to it because okay. one of my things, that, one of my big things about Eminem was always, you're one of the most talented dudes to ever rap. Why have you not done more with that talent? And when I hear a song like Godzilla, it is Eminem 
realizing his talent. He's being Kobe Bryant. He's achieving the most with the talent he has. So Godzilla is the shit, dude. And the he does all these verses and they get harder and faster with each verse. And then at the end, he basically sets the Guinness World Record for number of words per minute. And the cool thing about it is, I think there was a video on it. He does the whole thing in a single breath. So if you like hip hop, listen to Godzilla by Eminem. It is basically like a master of the craft really pushing his form. Um, So super cool shit. But like, I just, I like when people push form. Anyway, I have no idea how we got here. What was your second thing? I think I'm done watching the Lakers for this season. (laughs) (laughs) We, we, we just lost to the worst team in the league, the Houston Rockets, <laughs> in overtime, and it wasn't close. No. So, no, so I think I think I'm done. I think I'm done <laughs> watching the Lakers. I think uh, my so when I was a kid growing up, I would watch um, my old stepdad. He would either have the Lakers or the Bulls on TV. So that's why I am a Lakers uh, fan and uh, somewhat of a Bulls fan. And like I always, I always try to keep up with the Bulls. I haven't kept up with them in a couple of years because um, my buddy had season tickets to the Warriors, and I'm like a two team guy. Really, like Lakers is. Look, you put my first team up against the second team. I'm always rooting for the first team. So yeah. Um, but my buddy had season tickets to the uh, Warriors. Uh, he was from up in the Bay, or he's from down here, but lived up in the Bay. So we would constantly go up to the Bay to watch Warriors games. So I would watch every single Lakers game and every single Warriors game. Um, and and lately, I haven't... Like, the, the Warriors hadn't been fun to watch because Curry was hurt. Uh, you know, Clay was hurt. Draymond was hurt. It was just like this rotating wheel of who's hurt today. Mm-hmm. And I would, ca- I would catch games here and there. I watched enough... Uh, you know, Jordan Poole and, and uh, you know, other guys. And, and you know, like, I, I like I still enjoy watching them, but I wasn't as dedicated as uh, as I was before. Yeah. And um, so we're getting to the point now with the Lakers that I'm just sad, like, all the time when I'm watching them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's not what I like to do. I'm not I'm not that guy. I, I'm not the guy that is going to be the like my nephew Ross is a diehard Kings fan for whatever fucking reason. And um, there it's like being a Clippers fan. It's just like, once you think they're good, once you think you got this lob city and they're going to get a chip, then they just don't. And then they just kind of dismantle and they disappoint. And the Kings don't even get there. Let, let me no. rephrase that. <laughs> yeah, Kings, exactly. Kings don't even get close to that. <laughs> they got um, there in but, 2002, if that counts. Right. And yeah. then you, you draft someone like Halliburton and then you trade him for Sabonis and it's just well okay wait a minute and... no 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 yeah you're ignoring the part where they drafted who was it Bagley over Doncic you yeah. know like mm-hmm. ouch what right what, what in the fuck were right. you doing you know yeah that was yeah. that was stupid the moment it happened you know this isn't one of those like oh you know Michael Jordan over Sam Bowie like most people at the time right. it was like yes yes most people at the time were like that was a curious decision, but it's not like Sam Bowie was a complete piece of shit. You right. know, like he was decent. It was like um, when Milicic went wherever to the Pistons, you know, like that wasn't a head scratching decision at the time because people thought he could be the next Kevin Garnett. So as crazy as that sound, as crazy as that sounds now, that was what people thought then. So you need to respect it just a little bit. You know, yeah, but yeah, unfortunately, though, I don't think that applies to the Luca draft. No, er- everybody Luka... knew that Bagley choice was fucking stupid the moment it happened. Yeah. Well, and it's so wild because Luca went fourth. 
yeah, right? Yeah, third. He went fourth. I I, it was a weird oh, thing where he went third, but then got swapped with Trey Young for the fifth, whatever that whole yeah, thing was. Yeah, that's right. I got thirteen yeah, percent yeah. alcohol in me, so I can't remember the details. Right. Yeah, so it's so wild because uh the Suns could have had him too. You know, Aiton is he's turning into something now. He the last two seasons he's been pretty nice. But it's just like, well, you could have had Luca, you know. Yeah. It's just, but they, I think it was kind of the Jordan thing, where um, the Trailblazers already had somebody, so they didn't draft Drexler. Jordan, right? Drexler, yeah. that's right, Drexler. They had Drexler, so like, well, we have Drexler, we don't need Jordan. So like, I think they thought, well, we got D book, so we don't need Luca. Yeah, and it's just like, no, you could have D book and Luca, you fucking nutcases. Exactly. But uh, anyway. Never, yeah, so never, I think never turn down transcendent basketball players. You know? Right, exactly. So I think I'm done with the Lakers this season. It's just, it's too hard to watch. It's not fun. I'm not having a good time. And uh, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to yeah. do it. I got better things to do with my life. And, um, you know, my girlfriend was watching the game with me a little bit at the end there. And she's just like, I think you need to find a new team. <laughs> no, it's just like, <laughs> I was like it's, number one, it's fucked up. Number two, no, I'll never leave my Lakers, no yeah. matter how bad they are. But this, there's something about the season. Like, I've watched, I watched the season after uh, Kobe tore his Achilles, and we were essentially in the draft lottery for like three years straight. And I liked those years because there's something about home homegrown talent that I really enjoy. So every time we get a rookie, I am all in on that rookie. I want to see that rookie succeed. Like D'Lo was my guy forever. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and and then uh, Lonzo. And then it was Kuz. I was like, no, no, Kuz is my guy out of this draft. No, Kuz is my guy. And he's still my guy. Unfortunately, he's, you know, he's, he's doing some work over there in Washington. And he's yeah. doing us no good. because so we got fucking Russell Westbrook. But, um, you know, like AR-15. Uh, Austin Reeves, uh, he's he's our rookie this year, undrafted, and he's a nice little serviceable piece. He's mm -hmm. he's like a rotation piece. He's like a glue guy. Like he's just something he plays hard on defense. And man, he's knocking down some threes, so he's fun to watch. But the team is so bad. And the okay, let let me say this: the team is bad, but there's so much talent, and that's the frustrating part. Like when the team was bad with a bunch of rookies. I would glowingly watch those games because I was excited to see how they performed and how they could excel in the NBA. Yeah. It was fun to watch. Even watching my team take a whole bunch of L's, it didn't matter because I was like, yeah. well, these guys are all young. They're all learning. It's yeah. like we have LeBron James and Russell Westbrook on the floor every night pretty much, and we're still eating a bag of dicks. It's like it's not okay. Yeah. And then we have Mr. Glass, like Anthony Davis. He can't stay healthy to save his life. So it's just like, look, we have overwhelming talent on our team, but we can't even beat the Houston Rockets. Yeah. So what are we doing here? The answer, not watching games. <laughs> I just yeah. can't do it anymore. I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not as diehard a Sixer fan as you are a Laker fan. And obviously I'm in a different place than you this year because the Sixers have a legit shot to win the title. So when nights come up like tonight, I just looked it up. The Sixers lost by 29. Right? Yeesh. They, and they probably would have lost by more if it mattered. But, like, I watched some of it. It was just one of those, they made everything, dude. What do you want to do? You know? And Simmons didn't play, by the way. So, you know, if Simmons mm. played, there, there could have been some quality bricks and, you know, him standing around looking lost on offense like I've gotten used to over the last five years. God, I hate the fact that I've turned on Ben Simmons. I just loved him so much. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, listening back to some old pods, it's, it's like it's so you're sad, so glowing. Man. But I mean, ever since the past, what are you supposed to do? You know, like he had a wide open dunk. He beat a guy on a spin move and all he had to do was ram it home and be like, I'm Ben fucking Simmons. And instead, the Atlanta Hawks had gotten his head and he passed off for a layup that was pro, you know, that was fouled and Thibuel made one of two and the rest is history, you know, and all you had to do was throw that dunk down and you were wide open, you know. Oh, LeBron did that last night. Um, it was winding down. But, but did you think, but like... The layup was there for sure. To, yeah, that was my question. But it looked like he got caught under the rim. And I'm not sure mm. he's Dr. J. You know what I mean? Like, it looked like he would have had to pull off the classic Dr. J move to make that work. And he's LeBron James. He's one of the two greatest players to ever play, in my opinion. So... It feels like if, if, you know, if you're one of the two greatest players to ever play, you probably could have pulled it off. Um, so yeah. I thought so. I thought he had a shot at that. I thought he could have made it. Um, it's it's one of those things where, and it's unfortunate because if he makes, if he makes the pass to, to Mello and Mello drains it, then it was the right move. Yeah. But Mello doesn't make it, so it makes it the wrong move. Like Ben yeah. Simmons... Beautiful dish to Thibel. It was a beautiful dish to Thibel. And if Thibel got an and one, yeah. then it was 100% the right move. Sure. Or if or if Thibel knocks down both free throws. Nobody then cares. It, yeah. Right. Nobody cares. Then it's it's not a moment in history. But right. unfortunately, it's like cause and effect. Well, you did this. And unfortunately, the other guy didn't do his end of the job. He didn't yeah. pull off his end of the bargain. Right. So you get blamed. It's just how it is. Right, so. right. But that was definitely a lifetime achievement award for Simmons. I mean, we're talking about a guy who Boston fans made a shirt that said, shoot the three coward. And it was a still <laughs> it was a still photo of somebody playing 15 feet off Simmons, daring him to shoot the three from the Celtics, you know? So right. again, lifetime achievement. It was, it wasn't his first offense. Right? No, it was not. It was not. So, but you know, that's, that's back to the point too. The Sixers lose by 29 and it's just the way that I get to chalk that up is dude, it's the NBA. That's, that's the first time Harden is lost um, while being on the floor for the Sixers. We'll take our chances. You know what I mean? If we meet Brooklyn again in the playoffs, well, then let's see what happens, you know? But, um, hey, man. I mean, the Sixers just got their ass kicked by Boston by 48 the other night or what? You know, like, what was that, a week or two ago? And they won every game since. So, I mean, it's not about, you know, when it comes to the playoffs and it's just a season series, it's only about whether you won or lost. It doesn't matter what the goddamn point differential is. It just matters how many games out of seven you won and you need to win four of them. Right. So, mm-hmm. so it's all good, but that's the difference between my mindset where I'm like the Sixers are one of the three elite teams in the East versus the Lakers where you're just puzzling. And if you guys haven't been able to figure it out, we're recording this on March 10th. So if you want to, <laughs> if you want to get, if you want to get a great idea of what's going on, look up NBA scores from March, I guess, 10th and 9th. And then you'll see that the Lakers lost to the Houston Rockets last night in overtime, which I talked to two buddies about for about 15 minutes at length this morning. So I'm, I'm very well versed in this game. I watched, <laughs> I, I watched the LeBron layup from multiple angles and gave my opinion on it. So, uh, so yeah, man, dude, I totally get where you are. Cause again, no matter where people in the world are listening to this or what sport they like, just like the Lakers are one of the greatest teams in American sports history. You're a fan of the Lakers. You expect titles, right? That's, that's not what being a 76ers fan is like. I hope for titles. <laughs> I hope for titles. You expect them. 
right? That's how right, it works. Yeah. And uh, and so obviously, if you're the nine seed in the West and you just lost to the worst team in the league, that's going to be a problem, you know? Right. Um, and so- it's just to the point where, like, you know, I'm in a Lakers chat. Everyone's like, we're done. Like, there's... We don't even want to see them in the playoffs because then what? We go, we either go in the play-in and we make it, and then we just get waxed by some young team in the Phoenix. first round. Yeah. yeah, probably Phoenix. Right? Yeah, we just get waxed by Phoenix again because yeah. that's what happened last year, right? Yep. And it's just like, no, just we just don't even need to fucking be in it. How about that? Yeah. You know, spare me some grief. That I just I wish we had our fucking draft pick to make this a little bit more, you know palatable but it yeah. but we don't so it is what it is you know it's just like fuck it i hope we have a second round or something because <laughs> our you know our our scouts are pretty good we have pretty good scouts you know the year i would say our drafts from julius randall on minus the magic johnson year where they decide to let magic pick who we were gonna fucking draft that was the year after kuz and lonzo um it, it's just like dude we, we like mo wagner like he's not even in the league anymore. I don't think v- Wagner, um, bitch. No, just and, um, <laughs> Svi, Svi Mikhailuk. Yeah. Like I think he was still in the league last season. I don't know if he still is, but it's just like, look magic. Who, who you drafting here? What the fuck are you thinking? Yeah. So I, anyway, uh, I, I can't do this anymore. That's <laughs> okay. Talk. This, this, right. this is a great, this is a great moment in history. Like some, someday, like two years from now, I might just listen back to this podcast for this moment in time, you know, so <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, had three, a second... three years. Hopefully I'll be, a. Uh, the Lakers will be winning a title. So this will be a, exactly. you know, nice reflection. Exactly. I had a second thing and I can't even come close to remembering it. I've been, it's straining. okay. I've been straining. I've... To remember it and i just can't fucking do it man <laughs> it's all right I, th- I think our uh my tirade on the lakers is has done enough damage so that's fine i mean that there. that's how you need to end an episode with someone completely losing their joy for something <laughs> you should have saw my text last night in that lakers chat uh when we were losing in overtime my text was all capitals ha 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 we <laughs> suck so bad ha 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 I think I'm losing my mind. <laughs> All caps. I am going to shoot up lots of heroin now. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Save me from this life. <laughs> right. Yeah, just way too brutal. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, Sports, All right, baby. everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you. If you've listened through all of this, we appreciate it on this comic-related podcast. If you've listened to our basketball talk, um, uh, you can find me at Scott Lost S C O T T L O S T on Twitter and Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. Yeah, man, you can find me at Keith underscore Invader on Instagram. Um, that's where I provoke, uh, post most of the time on Instagram. And then I'm also at Kadoja Kaiju. That's all one word on Instagram. And if you want to follow on Twitters, then check out Invader Comics on Twitter because uh, that's kind of co-shared. But uh, I do post a fair amount through the Invader Comics handle. And uh, we'll see at some point about me standing myself up on Twitter as well. But boy, that's a lot of social media. And each one of those things takes time. And if you want to pick up my books, uh, Second Shift, Minimum Wage Superheroes, or Wanders of Milisanda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs vs. Humans, you can get those books at accidentalaliens.com. Or hit me up on any of my social medias if you want to try to get that bundle pack where you could get the entire run of the Second Shift or, uh, you know, Wanders of Milisanda or both. Um, I cut a deal if you want to pick up the whole set. Yeah, man. 
So for me, there's obviously a website out there. It is my name. It is KeithRFoster.com. I've got some cool shit there. Another thing you can do while this podcast airs, it'll be there on March 21st. There is a week left in the Three Protectors Kickstarter. And I'm going to kind of reiterate something I mentioned earlier here. Three Protectors is a book that you can, in fact, order through Diamond, okay? If, if what you want to do is you want to support your local retailer, and supporting your local retailer is really fucking cool, by the way, then go order Three Protectors through your retailer, okay? Go there, tell them you want to order Three Protectors, get that pre-order in. When this airs, you should have just enough time to get that in before the Diamond Distributor order deadline. If you want to get some cool extra shit, you want to get an exclusive Kickstarter cover, you might even want to go a few levels up and do some different tiers, then check out the Kickstarter, man. Go to just search Three Protectors on Kickstarter. It's going to be there. It's going to be live. And uh, whatever way works for you works for me. Yeah, uh, and that goes directly to the creators. If you do the Kickstarter, it goes directly to Keith and his team uh, to help put those books together. So, And you also get something exclusive, Kickstarter-exclusive covers. I think that's a super cool deal. Like when you go through Kickstarter, um, and, and Keith, yours is like, what, 68 pages? Yeah, 68 Six, pages. 68 pages. So, you know, you're, the price point might be $1 or $2 higher than the cover price or something like that. But you're getting an exclusive cover. You're getting something that you're not going to get anywhere else. You're only going to get it on Kickstarter. So yeah. that's super cool. And uh, I definitely back that. I back, I back the master tier. No, nice, so, dude. Yeah and, yeah, and and one other thing, too. Technically, it's like a buck or two more than you're going to get it through Diamond. But you get a complete MP3 soundtrack, right? So not only mm. do you get an exclusive cover, you get an exclusive book plate only to the Kickstarter, and you get the soundtrack delivered to you digitally. So two extra dollars gets you all kinds of extra shit if that's the way the route that you choose to go. That's awesome. Right on, man. Oh, and uh, so, yeah, if you guys like this episode and uh, you have some questions, comments, concerns, you got another topic you want us to talk about, uh, makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up there or on our social medias, whichever of those platforms we talked about previously. You can hit us up on those as well. Uh, run some questions by us, uh, whatever you want to do. Yeah, man. And then, of course, in terms of giving us ratings, there is the the magical Ed Brown way of rating us on Spotify where you solve a bunch of puzzles and you're basically like, it's it's almost as hard as getting dollars on like blockchain, but you can do it. And then you can rate us on Spotify apparently, which I still, my stupid ass can still not figure out, but that's between me and the 13.7% ABV that I'm, that I'm throwing down right now. Um, if you want to do it a lot easier, then go to Apple Podcasts. Um, that is a rating system where you can give us some uh, not only some stars, and uh, you know, five stars is is obviously the best way to go there. But you can give us some words as well. Like I, I tend to control like the the metrics and the the information um, with the login and things like that. But Scott and I will touch base on the numbers, and man, we're so happy to see them going up. We love when you give us reviews on Apple Podcasts. We love when you give us a review on Spotify. We love even more when you're pairing that with words in, in the places where you can, like Apple Podcasts. But you know what? If you just share it and you tell a friend, 
that helps too, man. And and that's what we're seeing, man. We're seeing the word spread and we're really happy to have people just chilling with us and kicking it with us and listening to us talk comics, man. So again, thank you for listening. If you want to take an extra minute to spread the word, we totally appreciate that. If you want to take an extra minute to write a, a review, throw us five stars and say some nice words. Well, man, we appreciate that so much. So, so thank you out there to those who, who have done it. Thanks to everybody who's listening, and uh, and yeah, man, we're we're gonna keep on going and uh, and keep on talking comics with you. That's right, and we don't have a Patreon, so the way you help support us is uh, picking up our books either through our websites or on the Kickstarter. So Keith's got one going right now. If you enjoy this podcast, uh, we're not charging you a fee, but hey, if you like comics, you should pick up our comics. It'd just be a cool thing to do. So uh, thank you for listening to this episode. We'll catch you guys next time, and that'll do it for this week. Yeah, yeah. That was my push rhymes like weight.